This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee, and we are back with an episode with some special guests on today. Yeah, we have some uh, really cool guys here. My friend Jordan Francis, who is the CEO of Real Talk. Mm -hmm. You guys just dropped an app, actually, that helps uh, really navigate Generation Z through theology and through culture, and then you also have some pretty cool stuff on there for influencers or parents of Gen Z people, Mm -hmm. just to help equip kids with understanding how to navigate what's going on right now in the world world and how Jesus fits into all that. So I love what you guys are doing uh, with Real Talk and being in schools and having clubs and tons of stuff there. And then Josh, you are the Director of Student Ministries at Grace Community Church. In It's in Tempe, right? Yeah, Tempe. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Tempe, way over on the other side from us. <laughs> Across the pond, man. <laughs> that's awesome. And yeah, how long have you been the, the Student Ministries Director there? I've been over there almost two years now. Oh, that's uh, awesome. But that's been my home church about five years. Uh, mm, so I've kind of nice. been a part of the community yeah. before I jumped into to staff. So Dude, that's great. Cool little perspective uh, over there. So that's really cool. Kind of changes nice. how you do ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So it's cool. Good. Nice. Cool. Well, hey, we like to ask our guests every time they're on. Uh, usually for our shows, we give a coffee yes. tip about how to grind your beans, what's the best kind of grinder to use, what kind of water you should use, what kind of mm-hmm. roast to be, uh, you know, tips, coffee nerding out. Uh, but when we have guests on, we just like to ask you, A, the most important yes. question that you'll be asked in your life, do you like coffee? And then second, uh, if you do, what what's your go-to drink nowadays? It's so, important. Yeah, this is, we start with the important stuff. So what do you <laughs> like coffee? Kick us out or hey, something, right? yeah. Right. We yeah. might not kick you out, but <laughs> it will color my We won't invite you back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is a hard how, many get, how many guests have you had that say they don't like one. coffee? I'm curious. Yeah, we've had one. one. And then, then Ask that me plus if still alive. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, we already know you. Like, we've had you on the show a couple of times. Yeah. So we, we know you so like obviously. coffee. That's why you're here. Josh is the wild card. Yeah, I'm feeling the pressure now. No pressure, brother. We'll start with Jordan. and Right, right? Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, I love coffee. Amen. Amen. Right? Right. And right now, I mean, I'm on this veganism trip, right? So mm-hmm. okay. I went vegan for a few months. So okay. I drink coconut lattes usually. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, okay. you know, it's kind of hot. So sure. coconut yeah, sure. milk latte. That's that good. Works. I got to try a hot one of those? Nah, I've never cold. Had a hot... Oh, cold one. Okay, yeah, 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 iced. Yeah. Okay. Iced coconut latte. It's too hot out here. Sounds that, good. Bro. I drink hot coffee even when it's hot, but I, I get you. I get you. Yeah, I don't, it's I, don't, I, don't know, I don't understand what you got going on. There, Coconut bro, cool. latte. Bro, I'm Coconut like the almost the opposite where like I only drink hot coffee in uh in the in the summer like months. Really? In the hot months, yeah. Oh, okay. And then like right now I just transitioned around, into yeah. drinking cold brew mm-hmm. uh in cause it's starting to get Colder, so sure, I, don't, sure. I don't know why that. <laughs> okay. It's always been my jam, as long as you drink coffee, man, we'll accept you. Yeah, yes. so I'm a coffee guy. Yeah, good. Cold brew's my new thing. That's so you know, good. Cold brew's I'm awesome. Loving it. You're saying you're starting to make it at home, like homemade cold brew. Yeah. Right? So yeah, somebody just like wrecked my world and was like, "Hey, cold brew is actually super easy to make, mm-hmm. and if you just leave it, it's just brewing uh, on on its own. Like you don't have yeah. to touch it." And I was like. That's my jam. Like, yeah. Let's go. Easy so, and yeah. great. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Well, good. I'm glad you're both saved and you like coffee. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> in, that, in that order, in that order, okay? The most important thing is the most important thing. But it's let's get... Yeah. Sanctification. Sanctification yeah. process of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we actually do have people who listen who don't like coffee. Yeah, and yeah. that's okay. That's they listen to the apologetics. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, let's get into talking about students because both of you work primarily right. with students. You're invested in... In student ministry, it's vital and important to the church, and you guys are specialists with working with students, teaching good theology. Uh, Real Talk does a ton with apologetics, 
pouring into these kids because there are so many statistics about what happens to most youth group attenders, Christian mm-hmm. kids when they get to college, right? Mm-hmm. Tons of them. I mean, and I've heard this stat since when, when I was in school learning about youth ministry. Like, they're all leaving the church, you know, depending on who you ask. It's 85%. Yeah. It's 98%. No, it's only 40%. And mm-hmm. it, no kids aren't yeah. in our neighborhood anymore. Yeah, yeah there's no kids right? <laughs> that love Jesus, right? Um, and so there, there is an alarming rate, though, of kids who attend youth groups who get to college and they, they fall away from the faith, right? They walk away from Jesus. They don't think it's important anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors for that. But so what are some of the ways you guys... Guys are, are are trying to counteract that statistic. Hmm. Take a stab. Let's do it. For me, man, um, in terms of counteracting that statistic, I'm really trying to uh, figure out how to spiritually form this generation. Mm-hmm. And so, what I mean by that is, uh, traditionally, right, we we're all from different generations, so we have different ways of understanding information, different ways mm-hmm. of understanding data, different ways of viewing the world. And so one, I think we've done a poor job of understanding Gen Z, mm-hmm. and I think there's a number of reasons for that, particularly the expedience by which technology has grown, right, and how it's changed the world. Because if you think about it, like, how many years ago was it that we didn't have iPhones? Now sure. we do. And they've drastically changed the way we engage each other, the way we engage the world, so on and so forth. And so there's this massive gap between the generation that's coming up now and us because they were raised with those things in their hands. Mm-hmm. And so it's drastically impacted their relationships and all those different types of things. So we don't always necessarily understand how to communicate with them spiritual truths mm-hmm. because we've done a poor job of understanding their view of the world. And so I'm really yep. trying to take time to listen and dive deep and understand where they're at and how they're viewing the world and why they're viewing the world that way. And then that informs the way that I communicate the gospel to them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think about all the, the conversations that I've had on campus. I think about uh, this conversation in particular I had with a girl who was transgender male mm-hmm. uh, or identified as a transgender male. And so just walking with her, asking her questions, listening to her story, uh, and having this conversation together where it wasn't just me trying to convert her, but it mm-hmm. was us dialoguing about mm-hmm. what it means to be Christian. Yeah. And those are that's a completely different way of looking at the conversation. And I was able to present information and leave it alone and let her make her own decision. And mm-hmm. guess what decision she made? Mm-hmm. She made the decision for Jesus. That's awesome. Right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. uh, we've got to create that space and, and give time for these kids to really process and think about uh, the decisions that they want to make. Because I think a lot I'm of times sure. we look at the things that they do and we think that they're foolish and they're stupid, right? Because they're mm-hmm. young and they're making bad decisions. But we forget that we did the same thing when we were there. <laughs> right, age. right. We yeah. forget that we made dumb decisions. With less we technology. That, yeah. We forget that yeah. our parents yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm glad I did not grow up with that in my hand because I would have <laughs> so much trouble, yeah. bro. I was in trouble I when the lights came on in the dude, middle of the night. You know, dude, like... for real. <laughs> and so the, the pressures that these kids have, the, the things that they're processing through, the anxiety, yeah. the depression, different all that stuff, it's a completely different world. Just the onslaught of information that they have at their mm-hmm. fingertips and not knowing how to navigate. I mean, there's so many things. And, you know, Barna did that really good study on Gen Z and and, and uh, Sean McDowell's done a lot with that. And there's some really good stuff to learn from that. But I really like what you said about let's just talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, why well, don't we just hang out with them? Yeah, yeah. We make yeah. stuff so complicated. I know. Like, right. it's like, you know, and I know people don't necessarily like this, but it's like, take it for instance, right? I'm married. So I, I want like to get that. my wife like a great right. I want to <laughs> yeah, get my wife a good. great gift. I have two choices: I can guess or I can ask her. Yeah, exactly. And there's one that's gonna produce the result I want, and there's one <laughs> that has a high probability of not producing the result I want, and that's <laughs> called guessing. Yep. And we spend so much time guessing instead of just asking. Why don't you yeah. just ask? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, if you look yeah. through the Gospels, I mean, because this always blows my mind, it, and we read over it like it's no big deal. But the Creator of the universe is incarnate in Jesus Christ. And he asks a ton of questions of people. 
He's literally the one guy who didn't need to ask anything. He could just tell everybody mm -hmm. what was, this is how it is. But he saw the value and no, I have to get them to engage and discover things on their own because that solidifies better in their yeah, mind. Yeah. You know? I think that's uh, just the discipleship pro process there. Yeah. It's not like, like you can't just go and tell people, like, hey, like throw the message at them and then just, mm -hmm. you know, it's there you go. But like it's a continuation of give, feeding them information and then giving them space and then yep. support and then encouragement. And making sure that you love them. Yeah, yeah and exactly. That's huge. Yeah, and that's, I think that's exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, it's a, just a discipleship process. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's the way to do it. Yeah, yeah I think like often what, um, what one of the phrases I use is that we have to earn the right to be heard, right? Yeah. I stole that oh, from like Young that, Life yeah. back in the day, but <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we have to earn the right to be heard, but our kids uh, are, are trying to earn the right to uh, for us to be heard by them. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a reciprocal, right? Mm -hmm. And so often we, mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up in a kind of a, a youth ministry where uh you were almost expected to to share and you expected to tell versus uh, just coming to a, a place where I want you to be first. Just mm. just come as you are. Come and be. Yeah. And uh, as you be be are, are who you are, then you can become. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we almost put this pressure on our students and people in general of like you have to come as this package yeah. versus just mm -hmm. come and ha as you are and share as you need to but like we're going to we're going to press uh because we care like we yeah. we want to we want to do life with you but we're not going to force anything we're, we're just going to sure. allow you and give you permission to be yourself and earn the right to be heard as yeah. as a result well that's awesome i mean and so much of our culture it's it's it is crazy when you think about um <clears throat> the pressure the kids are under like you're saying jordan and it's because of that not happening in their life. Mm. You know, you got pressure from school to get A's and measure up. You got pressure in sports to be the best. You got pressure in how you look and your body image and all that stuff, right? And we've been dealing with that stuff for a long time. But now you've got, um, you know, you've got people who have really deep issues psychologically mm -hmm. and they're struggling with, you know, I feel like I'm a male in a female's body. I feel like I'm a... And so think about this. The whole transgender movement is you're not good enough the way you are. You need to change your body. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. So the, you're talking about pressure upon pressure upon pressure, and it's not just from parent, teacher, or self. It's now coming in from the world and political movement. And, I mean, suicide rates are going through the roof right now, right, which is yeah. devastating. Yeah. But it's not – it shouldn't be a surprise as to why. There's so much pressure on you better fix yourself and a place where they can come yep. and they can be who they are and breathe a little bit mm -hmm. and then hear about a God who says, listen, I'm going to come and I'm going to help you right where you're at because you're yeah. valuable. Yeah. That's a game changer, right? Yeah, there's just yeah. not a lot of places like that out and there. I think that's part of the problem, right? And you know, to critique ourselves as Christians and to critique ourselves as the church, I think sometimes we're guilty of creating a space that – is predicated around these norms that don't allow kids to come in and be who they are and mm -hmm. be Jesus, right? Yep. So it's like if you come into this youth space, you have to behave this way, you have to think this way, feel this way, and it it's it's not okay for a kid to say they don't believe in that space. Yep. It's not okay for a kid to say they're wrestling sexually in that space, right? Sure. And so yep. as a consequence, what ends up happening is shame and guilt takes root, and then they end up living double lives. And yeah. that's what happens to so many of Christian kids too, right? Because yeah. they are raised in the church, and they've got all these things that they're processing through, wrestling with, and they don't know how to deal with them. And they don't feel like they can come to their church and and wrestle through those things with them. So as a consequence, they just go do their dirt in the dark yeah. and pretend yeah. that everything's all good until they turn 18. Mm -hmm. And they go to college, and they're on their own, and they're like, I'm outie. Guess yep. what? Yeah. I'm actually yeah. gay, and yeah. I've been gay this whole time, and I hate the church. Peace out. Yep. And so like, we have to recognize that. That's on us. Mm. Oh yeah, because we've created a, a space where that stuff can happen, and I well, understand that that like 
you know, some of that stuff's unavoidable, right? Sure, sure, but, sure. But yeah. it, it happens enough where I think we have to take a look at it and say, what are we doing to create a kind of culture where those things exist and how can yeah. we change that? Well, and let's critique ourselves a little bit more as the church because this is what I've seen happen. So, like, there's a lot of exactly what you said that happens. And I think the reason is, not always, but a lot of the time it's because youth pastors or pastors don't even know what their theology is on these mm. things. And they just go, well, the Bible says it, and I'm freaked yep. out, and I don't know how to answer, yep. so we're just going to overreact yep. versus, yep. hey, let's talk through it. Yep. Like, yep. you're having those feelings. It's a desire. Yep. Desire's not sin, yep. but let's think through it, mm-hmm. and let's look at Why? Scripture, and let's yep. let's reason through this versus, I don't know what to do, mm-hmm. overreact, uh, and, there's, there's or with anything. double-edged you know? sword yeah. sometimes, though, too, where uh, like there, you have... You kind of have that element, and then you have the element of where culture almost says it's cool to have that kind of a that dualistic uh, kind of mentality. Almost, sure. you know, mm-hmm. uh, almost it's cool to have the wrestle. Yeah, sure. You know, it's cool to have that. It's cool rub. to have issues. It's hip to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, especially the more extreme or more popular. You know, like LBGTQ right yeah. now is is a popular in a way. Yeah. Uh, topic. Or you're getting attention by mm-hmm. you know saying you know I almost committed suicide and then whew, everyone gives you attention and listen like we need to support and love people. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but there is almost this. Mm-hmm. If I've got really bad issues, people will care about me more. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, why don't we, like you were saying, why don't we just care about them anyway? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's yeah. the problem yeah. in right. itself. That's the problem. What yeah. makes a kid say, I have to, I have to like, be suicidal in order to feel be like cared he's about? Being loved. He doesn't or, feel like he's being loved. Or to get the right attention of, like, hey, like, you have problems too. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, I mean, like, right now, we mentioned earlier that, like, we've always had this kind of thought of, like, kids are leaving the church. Well, that that's true. Yeah. You know? It is. Uh, but, like, some of the most recent... I, uh, studies. Uh, so feed.bible came out with something in, I think, June or July mm-hmm. uh, this summer where they kind of compiled a bunch of stuff. And they were saying that about 40% of uh, students who identify as Christian mm-hmm. are not actively engaged on uh, a weekly, if not monthly basis. Wow. So yeah. uh, at least once a month, 40% of, of kids are not anywhere near church or yeah. plugged into a community of believers. Uh, and there's all kinds of different factors and reasons for sure. that. But, like, for me, I look at that and go, whoa, like, what are you doing with that? Yeah. You know, like, how, how are you engaging students in such a way that they can be themselves, mm-hmm. uh, they feel safe to just be, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't stop there. We continue to push in to yeah. helping them grow uh, in, in their Maybe their theological position or ideas, yeah, or their their uh, ethical ideas, or whatever that mm-hmm. that is. Like, we actually yeah, we were talking huge. before uh, about just this idea of man. The, the church used to be the original hospital, but then it mm-hmm. also used to be the original schoolhouse. Yeah, and so it's just like we're not that today. No. You know what happened? What happened was people believe the lie that government's supposed to take care of everybody's problems, <laughs> and so we don't have to anymore. We can just back out because they take our money. Yeah, that's not true. Like we need to be engaged with loving people that are hurt and broken, and we need to. One of the things that that we're trying to do here is is create a lay counseling ministry because you get so many people come to your church that need counseling. Mm-hmm. They got issues and they yep. marriage is on the rocks and whatever. But beyond that, like shouldn't we have that for the community? Like <laughs> shouldn't we shouldn't we be a place where we're having anger management classes? Shouldn't we connect with other entities in our local community that aren't Christian to help yeah. people they not care be about, so yeah. yeah. I mean that that we can provide that. So why don't we do that's what we need to do. We need to be active in our community with loving people where they're at. Yep. Not loving them because they become a Christian. Right. Or because they are a Christian. Because yeah, Jesus didn't do that. Yeah. Well, I think Everybody it, he loved wasn't a Christian. Is, part <laughs> of it is we have this fear that if we get around people who don't believe, they're going to get their sin on us, right? 
I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. they're going to make me sin. You know, I can't, and, and you know, like, even think about LGBTQ because we've kind of been in that space. Like, mm-hmm. I can't hang around with gay people because they might make me gay or they might try and sure. come on to me or something like that. It's like, yeah. Just because they're gay doesn't mean they're attracted to you, homie. Sure. You know what I'm sure. saying? Don't flatter so, yourself. Yeah, exactly. You know? But we have all these ideas about, you know, what it means for those yeah. people to be those when people. When Jesus hung out with prostitutes. Yeah, Jordan, when's the last time you hung out with a prostitute? Who, me? Any of us. No, seriously. <laughs> like, that's yeah, a good wall, question homie. to ask, yep. and you go, wait a sec. Uh, yeah. It's weird, right? Remember when that lady was rubbing Jesus' feet with her hair? Yeah, exactly. That wouldn't fly for anybody. It's funny that you said that because no I was way. just telling somebody on our, our team this morning. I was yeah. like, hey, maybe like in your life right now, you you, you should be that lady who rubs uh, Jesus' Yeah, like feet with your hair, yeah. and she's like, "What does that even mean?" I'm like, "Just enjoy the moment. Yeah. <laughs> just enjoy the moment." But it's like, yeah. man, like it, it's the it's simple, true. It's the yeah. simplicity of the gospel. But we're so yeah. worried about this is something Jesus never worried about. He never worried about what other people thought of him. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of crazy. And as Christians, like again, we shouldn't sin and we shouldn't dive into doing stupid stuff. For sure, but man. Some of the times we make an idol out of worrying what another Christian might think of us mm-hmm. if we are seen with this person. I don't care anymore. And this is a mantra that I've been trying to live out for the past five years. If I have to choose, which often you don't, but if I have to choose between offending a Christian or offending a non-Christian, I'll offend the Christian. <laughs> right? It's, 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 there's, there's more to be lost by offending the non-Christian yeah. than this guy yeah. who's going to get over it or not and be in heaven with me anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. We, we got to get over that and, and love people where they're at, no matter who yeah. they are. Well, I was even going to add to that, too. It's like, it's like the example you gave earlier about, like, it, asking your wife versus uh, just guessing on what to get her as a gift. In the same way, what you were saying with when it comes to ministry, if you just ask people where they're at rather than guessing where they're at, you'll probably be better at meeting them where they're at, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that's really what it comes down to, just asking people what your needs are. Like, what's hurting you right now? Like, what do you need? And I, I think that that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, and loving yeah. people, again, because we believe that becoming a Christian, becoming a follower of Jesus is vital to uh, flourishing as a human being and obviously eternal life. We believe this is so important because it's such a benefit for you as a human being. Yes. So I want everybody to become a Christian. Yep. But am I willing to love people who never will? Mm. Love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't say love potential Christians, (laughs) but if they don't become a Christian, (laughs) screw them. Kick the dust. That's not what he says. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He says, no, love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. Everyone's your neighbor. And so are we loving people... Until they come to Christ, or are we loving people? Well, God, yeah. <laughs> right? And that's 100%. where we got to get to. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the dude. biggest pain points when, when it comes to even just loving people is that mm-hmm. we, we struggle with the process of love. Mm. Like, we, we, we're, we're quick to, to befriend somebody, I think, or we're quicker to befriend somebody mm-hmm. uh, after we kind of get over our own biases and judgments. Sure. But then once we start getting to know that person and we go, oh my gosh, like, in order for this person to experience freedom, uh, knowing what I know about whatever subject that is, mm-hmm. like that might take three to six months. Yeah. Do I want to do that or no? Or that that's going to be like the rest of our lives together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I in it? You know, like honestly, that's a big commitment. It's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's huge. And oh, I yeah. think we, we face the same thing in, in our ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, our lives are ministry, yeah, you know, yeah. so it's not just a uh, real talk or us pastors. Oh, sure. Or, yeah. You know, it's like... Every Christian's a Hey, you're, you're a Christian? Guess what? You're on mission, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. let's go. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think when we when we face that in our in our ministry, it's like, oh, you got to come to grip with, how, mm-hmm. how are you going to do that? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. wh- what are you willing to commit to? Absolutely. Like, what is your yes to the Lord? 
Um, yeah, because that's that's going to be your game changer. Yeah, and that gets yeah. into where he says, you know, if you lose your life for my sake, right? I think about that all the time. And when I'm praying about it, then the Lord brings really ridiculous situations into my life that frustrate me. And then he goes, hey, what are you doing? Like, is this is this for you? Are you losing your life for my sake? Mm-hmm. Or are you trying to preserve your own life and your mm-hmm. own likes and your own preferences and your own clicks? That's good, bro. Right? Yeah. I think about that all the time because, yeah, if I want to be like Jesus, the, the more I... The older I get and the more I read about Jesus, the more I'm like, I'm nothing like that guy. Yeah. Like, right? Like, when I was younger, I'm like, I'm getting closer. Bro. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, a I'm good not poser, even close though. at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the more, it's like the more you learn about Christ, the more you realize you're not like him. Yeah. At all. It's yeah. true. Yeah. It's, I think and it's a, sad. I think another thing that's really important concerning this generation is their preoccupation with why. Mm. Um, they care about the why. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that kind of stems back to this idea of the redistribution of trust. So for us, older generations, millennials, not so much, but definitely Gen Xs, boomers, um, we care about the expert telling us what's true. Authority. So, yeah, institutions, yeah. right? Yep. So institutions, education, yep. This is what's true. We have the guy with the PhD. We have the pastor in the pulpit. We have the CEO of the company, and they yep. tell us what's what, and we follow orders. And so that has completely changed because now this generation – gets what is true based on how many people follow it mm-hmm. right yeah. and so what that means is there's there's more this there's more of a social ramification to what's true which can be good and can be bad right mm-hmm. uh but what they always want to know is why why should i believe what you have to say yeah. why should i do what you're telling me right now and so i think because we appeal to authority so much or have been guilty of that and mm-hmm. not that that's necessarily a bad thing but i think just as much as that we should be appealing to the why yes. and if we say we're christians and jesus is the logos and all truth belongs to christianity then we should have no problem mm-hmm. appealing to the why and saying this is why we believe you should live this way Absolutely. and there's so many people that like and that's the thing i think for youth pastors for pastors in general and for people who call themselves christians now there really becomes a burden to understand the Bible. There really becomes a burden to understand your faith. There really becomes a burden to know why. Yep. And so this generation's makes us feel uncomfortable in that regard. We can't just say, because I said so. We can't just say, because the Bible says so. We can't just sure. say, because yeah. Jesus said so, or because I said yeah. so anymore, because they're just going to write you off. But see, mm-hmm. from the beginning, that's a, that's, that's a fallacy. The, the idea that, that Gen X, I'm a millennial, so Gen Xers and boomers, they were crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> but the idea of um, authority makes this the truth. That, well, that's not true. And, and, and listen, people who study, they've learned a lot of stuff, so they probably have some good ideas. But the, the authority idea is a fallacy. Just because somebody who has a degree or a microphone says it doesn't make it true. Agreed. But then, like you're saying, this younger generation, and millennials even, popularity doesn't make things true. Now, no. it doesn't make things not true. Exactly. But it doesn't make things true either. The Agreed. Seattle Seahawks bandwagon fans don't make them a worthy <laughs> team to root for. See where I'm going with that? It's true. Um, but uh, and just because I have a microphone and said uh, that doesn't make it true either. But factually, it's true. No, but it we might need, be true. Yeah, it is true. <laughs> but we got We do have to look for the why, and that's where I think we can capitalize as apologists. Going, listen, we have the why. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, that's what I've been trying to teach kids for 20 years. Like we know that this stuff's real, not because my grandma said it yeah. or my professor said yeah. it or because there's yeah. a popular movement of the Christian church over 2000 years. We yeah. have actual reasons we can look at. And so I think that we can capitalize if we can steer them away from the popularity idea, mm-hmm. we can capitalize with here's the why behind the what, yep. which which 
demands your trust, it's reality. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And I think to add to that too, there's the the intellectual piece, but there's also the heart piece mm-hmm. as well. And that's why I love you know therapy, yes. psychology, moving yeah. into those kind of spaces, the soft sciences. Obviously, theology mm-hmm. is the queen of the sciences, sure. right? And then everything falls underneath. But there's this reality too that these kids are hurting, that they're feeling shame and they're feeling guilt, and they need mm-hmm. relief, and they have doubt and they have fears. And so we need to be able to help them navigate those things too. So now the burden of the past there is, uh, in my opinion, becoming more and more as this generation kind of comes up because they need a lot. And it's kind of interesting as, you know, studying and reading Mm -hmm. some of the writings of Wesley and different guys like that. Like they thought that pastors needed to be students of all different types of disciplines because they engaged people from all different types of disciplines, right? You've got all different types of congregants sitting in your congregation. They could be CEOs of companies. They could be professors. They could be lawyers. They could be doctors, right? And so the difficult job that you have is to speak to all of those people. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And in order to speak to those people, you're going to have to know something about where they're at. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Paul says, become all things to all men that I may reach some with the gospel. That's, that's it. And that's exactly what it should be. Instead of trying to be specialists in one small area so we can make a lot of money. That's Mm -hmm. what our culture says to do. Yep. We need to be Renaissance men like a Martin Luther who wrote music and translated the Bible into German Mm -hmm. and studied theology. I mean, that's, that is where we should be. And had some issues, but, (laughs) but we all do. But no, that's the truth. I've always thought that just in life in general, why, why pigeonhole yourself with only one thing that you ever do so you can be an an expert on it versus enjoying uh, all different spheres of life that God's created anyway. Like I just think selfishly, shouldn't you want to enjoy I mean, shouldn't be the church <laughs> shouldn't the church be some of the most creative people yes like they're they're, they're tapping into some of the most uh, diverse platforms of of ministry yeah right and, and it shouldn't be just confined to a church or just a building I mean I think COVID highlighted sure. that I mean especially for us like we're, we're coming from a church that's never been digitally uh, online okay uh, like never did anything live uh, online like that and we took our whole group uh, digital in 48 hours yeah you know um, God forced you to do it yeah <laughs> but <laughs> man like, I, I saw a lot of buddies kind of freeze up but what we saw was just this opportunity for explosive growth mm. uh, because of the creativity opportunity yeah, absolutely you know and like I think that that is what the church has the opportunity to do yeah and we have a heritage of that right mm. I mean we are architecturally, church buildings, unbelievable, stained glass to tell the stories to to, uh, people who couldn't read or write. Awesome, right? Science was built on the back of Christianity with Galileo and Isaac Newton and all these dudes. So we have a history of, we've done that. For the last 150 years, we stopped. (laughs) (laughs) And we need to start up again. Like, that's where I think we need to do something. Yeah, let's get ahead of the curve. So that would be nice, wouldn't it? Sure. (laughs) Because lest we risk we risk uh, almost having such a divide. I mean, not just a, uh, a relational divide, but almost a complete uh, subculture of yeah. our Gen Zers and yeah. kind of some of those millennials. Oh, yeah, I, I kind of identify in both, I guess. But yeah. uh, but you almost have this subculture of separation of like, you do life this way and we do life a completely different yep. way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, I, I think that just, that breeds division mm-hmm. uh, in the global sea church, you yep. know? No, absolutely. That's good, man. I think, too, as you bring it up, the idea of relationship, another thing that Gen Z is forcing us to return to because yeah. we've been we've been able to create these systems and these structures that house thousands of people where they come, they watch a sermon, they get maybe get plugged in, and, and they maybe. do some systematized yeah. thing, and then they bounce, right? They get the coffee. 
like Gen Z's not into that. They mm-hmm. want relationship. They want to know you. They want you to know them. They want mentorship. They'd yeah. much rather the connection yep. before they want 100%. The, the message. And so yeah. I think you know? I think that, you know, like by necessity, those youth spaces are going to grow smaller because mm-hmm. you don't have the capacity to connect with hundreds of kids. Right? Yeah. You have the capacity to connect with 20 or, yeah. you yeah. know what I'm saying? And so like you're going to need way more youth leaders and you're going to need youth leaders who are equipped to actually yeah. do the work. You get what I'm saying? And, yep. and then it becomes way easier when it doesn't become about the expert, but it becomes about this person who has wisdom and experience being a part of this group of young people and helping them navigate the world that they live in, right? Mm-hmm. And speaking into it and learning from them and them learning from you. Yeah. And so there's way there's way less of a burden that way, right? Because mm-hmm. like, I think naturally we feel this burden to be the expert, to have all the answers, to say all the right things, and that that's not even what this generation wants. They mm-hmm. want authenticity. Yeah. They want somebody they know they can trust. You may not have all the answers, but they know you're going to be there for them. They know yep. you're a shoulder to cry on. They know you're a person that's going to love them and care for them and do yeah. what needs to be done when they're in trouble. And that is going to speak way more volumes about who Christ is than anything you have to say, dog. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think the days of uh, our programs, so to speak, in, in ministry in general, uh, uh, it being the lectionary style, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like, hey, let's do this awesome game and <laughs> yeah, let's do a yeah. worship and then let's do this 40-minute message and, like, yeah. go have fun, you know? Like, I, I think that those days are, are numbered, if not mm-hmm. gone. Like, for us, we're, we're still wrestling with some of that. Yeah. Uh, but, like, we've dialed way back because we realized that the emphasis, the true emphasis, is in our small groups. Yeah. And I take it even a step further. Every So we do Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And more ministry happens before our groups go into groups mm-hmm. um, and after our Wednesday nights when we're at Culver's down the oh, street. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like... Culver's blocks out half of the space for us because we, we've been there. I was telling somebody, I've been to Culver's almost 60 times this past year. Yeah, um, that's awesome. And more ministry happens there than happens in the four it's true, walls man. of our church. Like, you know, even like when you do youth trips and stuff, more ministry happens on the van ride than it does at the camp. It, it does because yep. what, because yeah. you're listening and you're talking and you're dialoguing and you're not monologuing. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's just the truth. The kids are opening up. It's a comfortable environment. But that's where you have to do life with people, not mm-hmm. just come to my program where everything's polished and come to my show. That doesn't help with anything other yeah. than entertainment at best. Because one of the, the kind of the naked truths of this generation right now is that two in five of uh, Gen Zers right now are – more heavily swayed by the opinions of other people. I think that mm. we're, we as people just yeah, it's culture. That. Yeah, but but more specifically, our Gen Z generation is is so heavily swayed that they are ready to jump uh, from one ship to another, mm-hmm. not because it's necessarily right or true, but because that's just what people are saying. Yeah. Like the value of of our vocal connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would even take it a step further, our physical t- connection. Because even during COVID, doing some stuff digitally, we saw about a 10% average sure. um, of our of our students engaged, right? And I'm I, talking to a number of youth pastors all over the, the nation and kind of the same thing. It's been some of the, the same numbers. But yeah. the moment that some of these churches started coming back, uh, they were seeing... People want to come explosive, back. Explosive, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? It's the physical interaction yeah. so it more than just hey how you doing what's going on but mm-hmm. uh and and hey let's engage life but let's actually do life on life mm-hmm. uh together in person because that is vital well and that's where you know i because i talked with a lot of pastors who were forced to take the church online finally through covid and they're like wow it wasn't that hard and it's amazing like what you can do on there and they're realizing it for the first time 
And I'm over here going, yeah, but um, that's not really helping. <laughs> I know we're patting ourselves on the back for turning on a dime to get this up. Yep. But um, people need to meet with each other because my friends and all everyone younger has already been doing that. Yep. It's just new to you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's not that's it's not, not engaging. It's not yeah, it's not. We'll come new back to, to the program. All. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so we gotta do that. But what she said too reminds me, you know, and it's true of people in our culture, just whatever is the hot button thing, whatever you just oh, this popular, this person said this, I waffle, I flip flop all over the place. And it just reminds me of that passage, you know, that they're blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Oh, yeah. So how do we solidify kids? How, how do we how do we solidify them in truth so that they're not just blown around their whole life, changing their mind about you know whatever's popular or whatever some authority's telling them? Yeah. How I, do we engage? I think that? if you can give them honestly, uh, almost like here's the highway, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so yeah. in some ways there, there's an on ramp, right? There's an on ramp to a conversation, mm-hmm. uh, but there there are also barriers, uh, and and you but there's enough lane to kind of navigate between mm-hmm. where uh, it, it doesn't pigeonhole people mm-hmm. to like you have to know this or you have to say this or you have to. Sure. Believe. It, it gives them room to kind of figure it out, but we're moving in a direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I love what Eugene Peterson's uh, book, uh, uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, mm-hmm. right? And we're, we're trying to help students uh, figure out what that long obedience is okay. uh, in some ways, but we're, we're also helping them see that direction, and that's the message of the gospel, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so we're trying to frame everything with a forward motion, yeah. but we, we want to get them onto the on-ramp, and that's connection. That's yeah. invitation. That's, that's it's coming relationship. Yeah. Right, yeah. And as simple, you know, as simple as relationship sounds, mm-hmm. like we, we suck at relationship. Mm. I, I mean, we really do. Uh, I suck at relationship, mm-hmm. you know. But when I think of it, um, I, I use a phrase, intentionally relational relationships. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I use that phrase simply to mean this. Like it's not just, hey, I have a relationship. Because honestly, most of our relationships are acquaintances more than anything. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. but I, I go, I'm intentionally choosing to be in life with whoever I'm in relationship with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that kind of is the defining on-ramp for this highway. Yeah. You know, and, and we want to give that room. And you can go as fast as you want to go in on this highway. Yeah. Uh, but we want to we wanna help you navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. I think... Um, when I think about relationships, I think they're massively contextual. And so when we're trying to create this highway, as you were saying, for kids to get on and, and begin to follow Jesus, it, it takes time and it takes us investigating where they're at and what's going on and what what is God doing in their life? Like, mm. where is God at work? Like, yeah. that's the work that we have to do. Uh, like the Missio Dei, right? The mission of God. If I, if I go by an yeah. orphanage and see it, I'm going to assume that God's at work there because it's an orphanage and there's kids living there that don't have homes. Mm. But then when I go and investigate and I find out they're pushing drugs and sex trafficking kids, I'm going to say God's not at work there. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is the work of investigation to discover what God is doing in kids' lives and then help them pay attention to that. Mm. Because what we have to remember is that they're human beings too. They're not stupid. Yeah. Uh, They're not like incompetent. They do have the ability to process. Naturally, this generation is extremely intelligent. But what we have to help them see is where is God at work in their life? Where is he speaking to them? What is he saying? Where is he leading them? Mm. What are their yeah. passions? What are their desires? And yeah. how are those things good and godly? And how are they not so good and godly, right? And help them flesh those things out and talk about those things. There's so many kids who um, they haven't even heard 
themselves say the things that they think and feel because they haven't had the space to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what happens when you give the you give a kid the ability to actually say out loud what they think. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> kids have said what they think and then they're like, man, wow, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Yeah. I think whatsoever. That, right? yeah. like, no okay. sense. But what I've done is created a space for that to happen. And yeah. that's what conversation is. I'm creating an opportunity for them to dialogue with God. It is not about me. I'm creating an opportunity for them to reflect and think about their thoughts and think about their feelings and yeah. discern where God is in the moment and what he is doing and where they're with him and where they're not yeah. and how they can move forward, See, that long obedience. And that's so great because that's in a culture that says you better have all of your stuff together and if you don't, we're going to pounce on you. And if you said something 20 <laughs> yeah. years ago, dude, we're pulling up that video footage yeah. and you're a horrible yeah. human being. Yep. It's like, that the, tweet. no, we can't. Like Everyone's <laughs> afraid to do anything because somebody's going to get mad about it. Yep. Whereas if you're a safe person, a safe place, and I can talk and verbalize these things and not get trashed for mm-hmm. it, man, that's that's weird in our culture, bro. <laughs> yeah. But that's but we, so neat. But we have to understand that we aren't any different. No. Like yeah. I have no. sin in my life. I have things that I'm wrestling with. I have fears. I have doubts. Yep. Yep. I have unbelief. I have shame. I have guilt. And once I recognize those things and I become more open and vulnerable, once again, not caring mm-hmm. what people think, but yep. caring about what God is doing in me and what God is doing in the people around me, yeah. it starts to change my perspective. And so I can be that vulnerable person who's talking differently and being yep. open and honest about who they really are. And kids will see that and be attracted to it. And guess what? They'll reciprocate, mm-hmm. which means then now we can start to experience God together, right? Yes. Instead yep. of it being this thing where I'm supposed to pound all these things down your throat and you're supposed to re- receive them and then, you know, worship, that so free, worship you know. me while you worship yeah. Jesus. No, not yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. So. Well, this is good stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah love what you're doing. Great. Love pressing into helping the next generation see. And I liked one thing that you said, too, is like, we're like that, too. Like, sometimes I feel like we've, we've differentiated. Well, there's the Xers and they're this and there's the Boomers and they're this and the Millennials are this. And Jesse, we're all just people. And we do have differences, yep. and, and, and technology has made certain things, but we are just people. Yep. Yeah. And so a boomer who's yeah. you know 75 years old who loves Jesus can be a, really a, a real asset in your youth ministry to help a, a 15-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're not at the oh, same sure. place, but yeah. if you're loving them and you're talking to them and that you're listening to them, oh my gosh, bro. it's awesome. So hmm. as much as you know, it's, it's so important to study the each generation, but it's also good to say we're, we're the same species. <laughs> and, yeah, right. and and there's yeah. not any right. there's nothing new under the sun. No common no temptation is taking us over. That's not common to all people, right? We are in the same boat in a sense, and we can we can uh, speak into each other's lives and love each other where we're at. Super we're practically, somewhere. I think if we if we just made one commitment every day to just uh, be a people of understanding mm. who tried to understand what. Uh, what I'm thinking through, you know, that's a sure. little bit of what Jordan's been talking about. It's like almost this idea of like what we think affects how we feel and how we feel mm-hmm. affects how we behave and whatever our behavior is good or bad, it, it affects ultimately what we believe, Yeah, you know, but if we can make this commitment to just understand what we understand or what we think we understand mm-hmm. and then start with ourselves, but then go a step further as we're engaging with others and just try to seek to understand what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. I think we'll get a lot further when it comes to unity uh, across the the, the church, you know, yeah. across our, yeah. our generations, yeah. you know, uh, because we all have different thoughts and assumptions and expectations, course, yeah. but 
think we could bridge the gap. In that. Yeah, and unity is yeah. important even in disagreement, right? That and that's huge. Yeah, so. that's great. Well, hey, thank you guys so much for being with us today. Yeah, this was awesome. You. And thank you, our listeners. Hey, if you could remember and you want to help us out so we can get this podcast out to more people, if you could subscribe, uh, if you could rate and review us on Apple, on uh, Facebook groups, anywhere you possibly could, that would be huge. And if you'd share this show with other people, share with people who are working with Gen Zers, share with people who aren't Gen Zers who want to understand a little bit more. Yes. How, how do yes. I love these people where they're at? How do I love my neighbor as myself? Uh, whether they're a Gen Z neighbor, or a millennial neighbor, or even a Gen Xer, uh, how do we go about the loving generation? Them? Yeah, the forgotten generation. How do we even go and, and and love them where they're at? So we thank you guys so much for being with us today. And again, uh, the goal of the podcast is to equip Christians to be confident in their faith, but also to equip you to be able to go out and to share your faith with other people. Yes, so right. that is so important to us. So hey, thanks so much for being with us today on Christ Culture and Coffee. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.